The government reports that over 250 U.S. military veterans have been placed in immigration removal proceedings in the last six years. With support by the Pulitzer Center, WBEZ's Maria Inez Zamudio brings us the story of one such veteran from Chicago who's trying to survive in Tijuana after having been exiled from the country he fought to protect. Maria, welcome to Vocalo, and thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Uh, Talk to me about Miguel Perez Jr. How did you find him, and how did he find himself in Tijuana? So I actually came across Miguel's story about two years ago. And I actually did a story about his case last year before he was actually deported. He is a uh, an Afghanistan war veteran uh, from Chicago. Uh, he was brought here as a, as a boy by his parents as a legal permanent resident. So he could live here legally. He could work here legally. Um, and he chose to join the military right after high school. Mm -hmm. And so um, he graduated from basic training after the um, 9-11 terrorist attacks. So he was one of the first troops to be sent to Afghanistan. He served two tours in Afghanistan. And when he came back home, he found himself uh, with a traumatic brain injury and PTSD. Mm -hmm. So he started acting out. Um, He didn't really see his acting out his family started noticing. Um, His uh, girlfriend at the time started noticing. And so his mother took him to the VA hospital. And at that time, we weren't hearing about PTSD as as a big problem. So um, the way that his mom describes it is that he was not given priority. Uh, Soldiers with more visible injuries were given priority. So they had to wait for care. And during this time, Miguel starts self-medicating, mm-hmm. first with alcohol and later with cocaine. And that's how he found found himself in trouble with the law. Yeah. Um, he was arrested and charged with intent to deliver. Um, he was with a high school friend. And, you know, fast forward a couple of months later, and he ended up pleading guilty. And so he w- spent seven years in state prison. Uh, and then was later moved to an immigration detention center. Now, I want to talk about how veterans get to this stage, yeah, right? Because this isn't uh, it's such a unique story to to this one man. It's sort of unique, but it's also common. So in 1996, there was a big change in immigration law. And um, that change among other things, made it possible for legal permanent residents to be deported if they were convicted of certain crimes. Now, we know from this governmental report that the vast majority of uh, veterans who have been deported were legal permanent residents. So that's where most of the deported veterans come from, from this unintended consequence of this uh, 1996 immigration law. I was under the impression that military service was to be taken into consideration in these deportation proceedings. How is someone eligible to serve but not eligible to stay in the country once things go sideways afterwards? So there's a couple of things happening. The OIG report states that non-citizen soldiers can get expedited citizenship if they're in combat mm-hmm. or, you know, they're in the military. That's one of the promises. Um, but what I found with my reporting is that a lot of the soldiers thought that they actually became citizens automatically mm. uh, when they took the oath of, of serve, service. So they didn't do anything else. 
And then the other problem was that of the veterans who did start the process, because they had to move around so much, they weren't able to finalize the process. And it's important to highlight that because if those um, legal permanent resident veterans had been able to become citizens, even if they convicted crimes, they they would still be here. So that's one thing. That's one side of the equation. The other one is that once they find themselves in removal proceedings, immigration officials are supposed to look at military service and take that into account when deciding to remove this person from from the country. Mm-hmm. And this government report shows that they did not follow their own policy around military service. Now, in Miguel's case in particular, uh, immigration officials told me that um, they had taken into consideration his service for the country, but because he had been convicted of a felony, there was nothing they could do. They just had to follow the law. You're listening to Vocalo. I'm Jill Hopkins. Joining me in the studio, WBEZ's Maria Inez Samudio. Miguel was born in Mexico, spent almost his entire life in Chicago. How do he and other deported veterans cope in a country that is quote-unquote home but is completely foreign to them? A lot of them are having a really difficult time reintegrating in the country where they were born. Most of them were brought to the country very young. Um, I I believe one of them was like six months old. Mm -hmm. So really, they think of the U.S. as their country. They think of themselves as Americans. And it's been really difficult for them to re-enter this country that, A, doesn't have a great um, job force. B, there is a lot of violence, um, especially in in the border cities where they're moving to. And C, a lot of these veterans, especially combat veterans, have service-related injuries, such as you know traumatic brain injury or PTSD, and they don't have access to a VA hospital. And so a lot of them are struggling to figure out how to get care and where to get care. You didn't just speak to Miguel. You were in Tijuana for, for the better part of a week. Can you talk to me about the other men that you met and, and what they all have in common? Mm-hmm. So I talked to over a dozen deported veterans, and they all had uh, very similar stories. Um, they were brought to the U.S. as children, uh, as legal permanent residents. They spent their formative years in the U.S., in you know in our country, and... Most of them enrolled in the military right after high school. Mm -hmm. So they felt a sense of uh, patriotism to go and enroll in in the military. And they all had difficulties adjusting to civilian life. And that's when the problem started. Most of them have either a, um, a conviction for drugs or aggravated assault. Is there a network of support that they've formed for one another? Or are they kind of just left to their to their own devices? Um, the government hasn't really done anything to help these veterans. So what they've done over the last decade or so is um, they're really, you know, they're organizing themselves first to address really, you know, really basic things like where to where can I live? So they've created two support um, houses. The first one is called the Bunker, and um, and the second one is the uh, Deported United Veterans. And so they are sort of helping each other find 
a place of belonging in a country that they feel is not their country. Mm-hmm. And so they all have their own issues, right? So they all have family responsibilities. A lot of them don't have their, you know, their sons and daughters with them. So they all have different difficulties, but they all try to show up for each other mm-hmm. in, in several different ways, um, especially the, the combat veterans try to check in with each other a lot. And they've had to do that because they don't have anybody else. WBEZ's Maria Inez Zamudio in the studio with me, Jill Hopkins. You are listening to Vocalo. So at the end of the day, what do these veterans hope for? And how is that different from what they can probably reasonably expect? Mm -hmm. They all want to come back. Um, There's a few exceptions of um, some that want to live in in Mexico, but they still want to have access to the VA and their services. But there isn't a a way for them to come back in a a real way. Mm. Some do risk getting caught at the border, so they enter the country illegally and face time in federal prison for illegally reentering the country. But they have found support with some... um, members of Congress, in particular, Senator uh, Tammy Duckworth. Mm -hmm. She reintroduced three bills that tried to fix the problem of uh, deported veterans. One of them would ban the deportation of veterans altogether and create a visa program to bring them back. Now, that hasn't gotten any support as of yet. Um, And so it's been difficult to get momentum around that. A lot of these veterans do a lot of advocacy on their own. They're not organizers, so they're kind of all over the place. Mm -hmm. There's one veteran that drives around. He's actually living in the U.S. He drives around the country in a van that says deported veterans to sort of bring awareness. Um, There's another one who re-enter the country illegally and is now living in, in Nevada. And he goes to a lot of the rallies for politicians that are running for president. And he'll ask them straight out, "Are you? what are you going to do to help uh, deported veterans? So they're doing a patchwork of things, advocacy. Um, but there's no real way for them to come back except death. Uh, because if you die, you still qualify for a military service. I would love for folks to to hear this full story. Uh, great reporting, as always, Maria. Thank you. Maria Inez Zamudio is a reporter for WBEZ's Race, Class, and Communities Desk. You can hear this whole story and read it for yourself at WBEZ.org. And you can follow her at M.I. Zamudio. Maria, thank you so much. Thank you for having me.